I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating. They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. from 45 to win the game! Coach and Fantasy Sports Show. You are now listening to the Insight Fantasy Sports Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you are listening to us. This is the Fantasy Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Rob Kennedy, the Super Coach Hawk, sitting here with Mickey Dell, the big horse. How are you, my friend? Robbie. Well, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, do we have a rip snorter for you today? If you don't mind, Robbie, let's introduce him. It's all yours, mate. This is all yours. As you can see below us, um, we've got royalty, I guess we can call it, from the East Gippsland area. Uh, Pick 17 in the 2011 AFL draft, Clay Smith. Welcome to the show, mate. How are we, boys? Good. Thanks for having well, me. Doing well. Thanks for being on the show. Um, look, we've talked a lot to our listeners. Obviously, we are inside fantasy sport. We talk about all things super coach. But Mickey and I have a lot talked about our love for the game, um, how much we wish we could have played AFL footy. So to get anybody on who's of your caliber, we appreciate you coming on. We try to bring our listeners something a bit different. And, mate, to have you on and go through a few stories and – it, it makes putting Supercoach to the side very easy to have a bit of fun and have a bit of chat. So I know you and uh, the big horse. He told us at the start of the show, didn't he, that he doesn't like being called the big horse. I call bullshit on that. He loves it. We're going to call him the big horse throughout the whole show. Um, yeah, okay. You guys have a little bit of a, a rich history together, growing up together and playing footy together. So, mate, we've done this a few times, Del. I'm going to hand over the host duties to you to begin with and um, maybe tell us a little bit about where you guys grew up together and um, and we'll just go from there. Yeah, okay. So to start off with, um, so Clay and I grew up in the East Gippsland area, but 
this show is about Clay Smith. It's not about the big horse. It's not about, you know, <laughs> our, our super coach. So what I'm going to do is we're, we're just going to jump straight in. And Clay, what, what we're going to do is we're going to start by giving the viewers a bit of an understanding as to um, your teenage years, I guess, growing up in Bansdale or playing for footy for Lucknow, I think it was. Yep. Um, yeah, tell us about your, your junior years, um, I guess your interleague years, and what people probably don't know about you is that you're quite good at basketball as well. Yeah, basketball is probably my main sport before footy. Yeah, um, yeah obviously grew up in um, in Bensdale, um, played for a little um, club town called Lucknow, um, right through all my juniors from Auskick right through to under 16s. Um, moved down to Mafra for a year after that and top eight sixteens and then TAC Cup. But um, yeah, grew up at, at Lucknow for my whole time and played a lot against uh, Micka's side down in Lake Centrum. So played us in a lot of grand finals, but unfortunately we won most of those. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we had a pretty st- strong side. Me and um, um, speaking to Mickey before we come online, Shawnee White, who's yeah. um, my best mate that I grew up with since I was a kid, played every game of footy from 10 years old to 18 um, right through all the sides from Lucknow to Mafra to TAC to, to Vic Country. So mm. um, he knocked me off in, I think, six best and fairest in a row. I was runner-up every year, and um, but yeah. we're in the same side. Um, so we're not a bad little combo in a, in a little country town. Um, both of us um, turned out to be pretty good footy players. So lucky That's to play together. Game. And, um, yeah, we uh, linked up with Mika probably through basketball and through footy. Um, yeah. Played a lot of basketball growing up. Uh, played in the Australia Cup for Victorian Bush Rangers. Played off in in the in the final. So um, yeah, I loved me basketball, and it was probably mm. I focused a little bit more on that growing up. But um, I didn't have the big leap, uh, and probably wasn't <laughs> as, as as athletic as um, you needed to be. Um, I got a lot of fouls, as you could imagine. If you've seen <laughs> um, I was always in foul trouble. So, um, but yeah, and then once I sort of got to 15, 16, footy sort of started to take over a little bit. Probably liked that bit more competitive, um, rough mm. and tumble. So, um, yeah, I love I love my sport a lot growing up. Yeah. So when we're talking about y- your junior years, um, we we're speaking before we came online. There was a rich group of players from the East Gippsland area that have gone on not just to play AFL football, but a lot of VFL, a lot of Sandful, when we're talking about Shawnee White, Simon Deary, Josh Scott, these sorts of players. Um, you, you obviously excelled and got to the highest level and played some really good footy. But when we're talking about a core group of players that are around that age group, East Gippsland was really spoiled, I guess, for choice when it came to talent down there. Yeah, definitely. Um, there, there were some good players and, and Scotto was actually one that was at Lakes and that we played against a lot. Um, little mm-hmm. Bowler Lamana and Reggie and, and those right. boys. Um, but yeah, there was a fair few. You even look at like a little bit younger with um, Tommy Bryan and those boys that are up playing in um, in the in the Northern Territory League and stuff like that with Simon and um, and Scotto's obviously gone over to, to Adelaide and, and playing some really good footy over there. And um, yeah, there was there's definitely a good crop of kids that come through. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take it one step back and, and your basketball. So you, you said that you played for the Bush Rangers and, and in the Australia Cup. For me, it was always I thought you were going to go along the lines of you are playing representative basketball, you stepped into um, state and then on a national level. 
Um, was it purely because of that rough and tumble, the fouls, you know, you couldn't be as aggressive as what you could be on the footy field as to what swayed you? Or was there one nah. particular point where you're like, yeah, this is for me? Uh, it's, it's probably location more than anything um, yeah. where we were. So um, obviously, yeah, played in the Australia Cup and, and was doing really well, but you had all the um, like the, the camps and the carnivals and stuff that would start locally and regionally and, and you'd work your way up um, to get into all the rep sides. So we used to have those in Bandstar with Wayne Royal and stuff like that. And we'd have a core group of us that would go. And me and Simon played a lot. And then after I played in the in the in the champs, uh, me and Simon were travelling to Melbourne every Friday night to play. Um, so we travelled down to Trelgan and train and we travelled to Melbourne every Friday and play. Um, so it was a fair commitment just to try and keep that going, I guess. Um, and then sort of when you get to 15, 16, that's when sort of the, the footy starts to kick off a little bit more. I think there's more rep opportunities a bit younger with the basketball um, and something that I loved. And then, yeah, the, the uh, rep sides with Gippy Power and stuff like that and Big Country, that yeah. sort of started to kick off around that 15, 16, 17-year-old mark um, and probably mm-hmm. started to, to grow a little bit. I was a little bit of a small kid um, and then sort of, yeah, grew up a little bit sort of 16, 17 and started to fill out. So, yeah, um, yeah I reckon it was probably a little bit more opportunity um, that, that it was a bit harder to sort of to take up, um, but definitely love both uh, just as much. But I think footy just gave me more opportunity um, at the age where it needed to. Yeah, good. And for those of um, you listening at home um, and aren't aware of the East Gippsland area, from home to Melbourne just to play that Friday night game, three hours, one way? Yeah, three and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah one way. So we, we'd be getting back you know, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then getting up and playing footy the next day. When yeah. when when did you when did you start sort of realizing that, you know, AFL was a true possibility? Like did you just sort of start getting inkling? Was it when, what was the moment when you went, you know what, this this is a really good chance? Um oh, look, growing up I, I, I could play. Like locally I was always a good player, but you never sort of think that far ahead when you're that age. Um and then started making the Gippy Power sides. Wasn't the best kick, but um, it was always just my competitiveness and probably my fitness and, and drive. Um, and it probably wasn't until my bottom age TAC Cup year. Um, played every game as a bottom age player in TAC Cup um, and got runner-up in the BNF as a 17-year-old to, to Dice Heppel. So he was our captain, top age. He beat me by vote, but he, he missed five games for the carnival that year for Vic Country, which oh. you don't tell you don't tell people yeah. that. He beat me by a vote. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, but doing don't that. Don't let facts get in the way of a good story. Never. Yeah, never. exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think that that bottom age year sort of really set me up and I sort of took my footy to a new level. Um, and then it was pretty funny. I actually moved houses at that stage with mum and dad and I never got a, a Vic Country letter the following year. Um, so the first Vic Country tryouts, all the boys, Shawnee, Simon and few of the other um, Gibby boys went down and they all laughed. They, they said, oh, are you coming? I said, no, I'm not. I was like, I was, I was pissed off internally, um, but I tried to play it cool. And they said, are you coming? I said, no, I didn't get a letter. And they all thought I was taking the piss and I wasn't. Um, and it wasn't until they got down there and they spoke to the coaches and that, and they all said, where's Clay? And they said, oh, he didn't get a letter. And they said, well, he's meant to be here. Um, so, yeah, I moved house and I actually never got it. So, um, yeah, right. yeah, ended up playing in the carnival 
played every game, captain one of the sides and got MVP for the 18s championship for the country. So I sort of just, yeah, built on year on year um, and got more and more confident and, and started to play some of my best footy as a junior. Beautiful. Awesome. Um, what we'll do now is you're a 17, 18-year-old kid, top age, TAC, AFL's potentially the next step. When was it when clubs started contacting you going, we're looking at you, we, we're looking for this, this and this? Like, did it start off by you garnering a lot of interest or was there not a lot of interest? How did it go for you? Um, I'll tell you, managers start talking to you a lot before clubs do. Um, <laughs> yeah. they, they try and get in real early in the piece. So um, they, they would have been for March, mm-hmm. uh, March, April, May sort of of 2011, um, sort of before the season even starts. Um, and then you don't really hear from the clubs a lot um, during the year. Um, you might get a little bit. You might hear some scouts or at games um, to watch. Um, and then sort of once that carnival happens, a bit, the, the championships with, with the country and stuff like that, um, you start to hear a little bit more. And then obviously with the draft camp and the, and the combine. So um, you go along to that for the, the two or three days. And I spoke to every club bar, Gold, uh, GWS was the only club I didn't speak to. So they must okay. have liked me, which is an which is a which is an interesting thing in hindsight, isn't it? But we'll yeah, we'll get to that. If, yeah. if people yeah, don't so know the uh, the history, they're they're not true fans. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I but, spoke um, to seventeen of the eighteen clubs at the combine. Awesome. So. so was there mate, anyone? Get to, yeah, you go. Yeah. You go. Was there anyone that stuck out to you, Clay, during that process that you thought, "Yep, yeah, I'm going there"? Um, not really. Like some some of the stuff, like you'd swear they just get you in just to. I don't know, just to ask you a couple of questions and, and sort of yeah, just okay. figure out what you like. Um, but I got a fair inkling, like Macca, uh, Brendan McCartney, who was a coach of the mm-hmm. dogs at the time, actually come down to Bairnsdale before the draft, met mum and dad and, and come and spoke to me at home and and seemed pretty keen. I think travelling from Melbourne to come down there and speak to me. He, um, For sure. Yeah, so I wasn't too sure, but the I think it was the day of the draft or the day before my manager rang me and said, you're going to the dogs. And I just said, like, how do you even know? Like, the draft hasn't even been yet. Yeah. Like, don't don't pull my leg. Like, I don't need to be taken for a ride yet. I don't care where I go. But he had me, Brandon Ellis, and um, uh, who was the young fellow that went to Freo that year? Um, forgot his name. But he had – so he was manager of all three of us. And that w- we would pick 15, 16, 17 or 16, 17, 18. So he'd spoken with the clubs and they'd sort of said, this is who we're taking at this one. So he, um, yeah, he sort of had the, had the gist of it before it happened. So he, he told me I was going there and I did. So he, he got something right. Good. <laughs> you punch punching the way, Robbie, to see who was at. Um, Mate, I'm having, you, know, you, you know me too well. We've been doing this long yep. enough now that yeah. I'm going to jump. I, I should actually I should know his name. Like his name. I feel like, I feel like it's um, given me. The, I feel like it's giving me the wrong draft. I will definitely get there. I will definitely get okay. there. It's giving. Me, it's giving me the wrong one. But okay. you go one Tommy more Sheridan. question. Yeah. Tommy Sheridan. Tommy Sheridan. Oh, Sheridan. Okay. Tommy Sheridan. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's right. let's go to draft night. 
Mate, we get to, I mean, yeah, and we get to draft night. So, you know, 2011, pick 17. Mate, it's a great draft class. Um, you know, when you say, you know, John O'Patton, I mean, I know he was the sort of standout to go number one. But when you look at some other names that are in there, Canelio, Toby Green, Sam Doherty, Taylor Adams, I think all all just went a little bit before you. But you look at a Tom Mitchell who went 21 um, to have yourself picked at 17. Now, you've been... I'm sort of like you. If somebody told me, look, the doggies are taking you, until someone shows oh, me the sign amazing. dotted line, what was what yeah. was the vibe like for you going into to draft day? Um, definitely nervous. Um, obviously, I spoke to a lot of clubs. Sort of went through halfway through my top age year, sort of being maybe a second or third round, and then after my carnival and the way I finished the year to being first round. Um, okay. But you get told things and then, yeah, like you said, until your name's on the dotted line or on that screen, you, you don't really believe it. So I had a few fat friends around at home um, at mum and dad's place, watched it with family and friends. And um, yeah, I, I was lucky. I, I got it out of the way early, which was nice. Um, I didn't have to sit around too nervously and wait. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, there was some fair celebrations that night. And then it was about three days later, I was packed up and moved to Melbourne. The draft was yeah. on the Thursday and I was moved into a new house, new family on the Sunday in Melbourne and at training on the Monday. Can, can you express to anyone, like, I mean, you know, there's there's not many people that get to experience that feeling of a, a name being called out. Is it is it something that does stick with you vividly in your mind about what it felt like or can you express to anybody what that feeling is like to, to get to that point and get your name called out? Yeah, pretty, pretty crazy feeling, like... Uh, you, you you live and you dream and and you hope that you can play AFL and and at some at, oh, I won't lie at that age once you, your name's read out you're like I've made it um, yeah. but realistically, <laughs> realistically like that that's just the beginning um, and and it's a big step and it's a big change and and people that move into state or or fair way away from home you leave a lot behind and it is a big sacrifice um, but at the time it's that's everything like. You're on an AFL list, like you're getting all the gear and like it's yeah, it's good fun. You're getting boots and jumpers and you're traveling here and traveling there. Like it, it's it's a great lifestyle, but um, yeah, the hard work just begins when you get there. Yeah, and there's no mate, no doubt anyone who knows your story a little bit from from the outside looking in, um, you know, tough journey, tough gig, and and you obviously did it did the tough way, but did it well as well. But you know, what does what does day one look like for you? So Clay, young Clay Smith walks in. Um, walks into the club. Is there anyone that intimidated you? Who put their arm around you straight away? What did what did that look like for you, um, day one? Yeah, it was pretty surreal. Um, obviously, walking in, you got players like Adam Cooney, Ryan Griffin, Bob Murphy, Gia, um, like blokes like that rolling around. Daniel Cross. Oh, I wasn't a big. I didn't know a whole lot about the dogs um, before I got there. I was an Essendon supporter growing up, and. Um, yeah, I didn't watch a whole lot of the dogs, so, uh, but I definitely knew the superstars there, and and it's, it's pretty cool when you walk into a locker room and and they're standing there, and yeah, you're pretty sheepish, like you don't say a whole lot. I I got intimidated when it was the first week on the track. Obviously, got my number, and I was parked next to Gia in the locker room, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, we're doing some contested work in the first week, and I. Uh, was up against Jair and I swung the arm back and I clipped him right in the nose and gave him a blood nose. 
And he turned around and he turned around and said, "You better watch your back for the rest of the day." And like, oh, oh shit, myself, like terrified. I'm like, I've just whacked this absolute legend, like this blood, and like he he could put on like a just a dirty mean face, like. And I, I was shitting him, and he come up after training and put his arm around me with the biggest grin and just said, "Mate, I'm only joking." And I was like, <laughs> I, was, I was petrified the whole of training. Like I've been I've been at this pub for a week, you know, I'm making enemies. As you would be, as you would be though. Like when you look, when you look back, I think anybody looks back at themselves at that age. We all thought at the time we're adults, we're all good, and you get to the age that we're at now. And you, when you look back at you, then you're, you're a child. Like you're still a yeah, child who's fresh, great. coming out and getting involved. Like were there were there moments? Uh, yeah, can you talk about were there any were there any sort of uh, anyone tested you at the start? Was there sort of uh, a bit of hazing to begin with? What what's kind of life at the Dogs as a as a first year player? Nah, clubs clubs are really good now. Um, I think it might have been a little bit tougher back in the day, um, but no, nah, they really do. They bring you in and, and you're like family straight away. Um, and there's a lot of kids that got drafted. I think we had eight in my year that got picked up by the dogs or seven. There's three in the rookie yep. draft and I think we took four in the draft. So we had seven new boys there. So we had a good young crop, but... No, the boys are awesome. I got along really, really well with Griff. Um, he sort of took me under his wing. Uh, did a lot of travelling with him, going up to Adelaide to his family farm, shooting and riding motorbikes and hunting. And um, So he loved that country lifestyle as well. So we did a lot of that together. Matty Boyd really took me under his wing training-wise. Um, there's one player I, I really looked up to, he, just his training standards. And everything he did, he was um, is a beast. So I tried to tag onto him and Crossy as much as I could. Um, I was always a very good runner, so I um, I got pretty much straight into the top running group with them, and they used to take the piss out of me because as a first and second year player, you get taken out of some of the drills late in in training and um, in the preseason just to look after your body. and And Boydy used to tell me to go get back on Mum's bottle and just jump on the sideline, and I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like it very much. So, mate, I you know seasons begin, you drive into it from there. I mean. Did a little bit of research, mate. Hopefully you can fill the gaps in a bit more. And I mean, just for anyone who's joined online and starting to listen to us or at this point, we're talking to Clay Smith, AFL legend from uh, the Western Bulldogs, thanks to to Standard Squeeze and Snap Fitness. But Clay, 2012, 2013, you play 16 games in your first season. You play 14 in your next. Just before we – I don't want to jump straight to the end. Talk us through those those first two years and, and sort of what you learn about yourself as a player and what it was like to make that step up to, to AFL standards. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, I was the, the first pick that they took and um, got first dibs on numbers and, and training went well. I sort of come in as – uh, probably a ready-to-play sort of weight. Um, I wasn't a, a key sort of forward or back or anything and didn't have to grow into my body too much. I think I come in at maybe 81, 82 kilos. My max playing weight was 85. So um, I, I was fairly ready at that at that stage. Um, so I was lucky. I had a good preseason, um, played in some of the preseason games. And then, yeah, my first game, played round one, kicked four in me first against West Coast and, Went off, the, yeah. Went off in the third quarter with full body cramps, and Jared Grant <laughs> got subbed on, and I got subbed off, and the crowd was booing. And um, but I, honestly, I couldn't walk. I think I uh, would have overplayed that game in my head about a hundred times the night before, and another hundred before the game. So, um, but yeah, I, I was lucky. We we 
we weren't too great as a side when I first got there. We were struggling a little bit. So um, I probably got some games earlier than what some other draft picks would have um, at, at higher clubs and teams playing for finals. But, um, yeah, really fast-tracked sort of my beginning. And, um, yeah, I was lucky. I played 16 in the first and then 14 in my first 15 in, in my second. So at that stage, I was I was loving life. Um, got drafted mm-hmm. and we started to win a few games. And, um, yeah, I just thought, how good is this? And then, um, yeah, the, the torrid run started in mm. uh, round 15 in 2013. Talk, talk us through that. I mean... I mean, I couldn't think. I mean, everybody hears the the statements of people who sort of go through it. It's it's the loneliest place you could be in. You're in the rehab group, working through those things, as you just said. I mean, I, I'll take your words that you just spoke about, loving life in a place that could never be better. You've just been drafted. You've played uh, what thirty games in in two seasons. Kick four on debut. I forgot about the red vest that you got sub there as well, but uh, got through the sub days, mate. But um, and then stuff like this happens. What? What's the first thing that goes through your mind when um, when the injury strike? Yeah, um, it, it was – I'd never missed a game of any sport due to injury um, before that. I, I sort of was um, blessed, I guess, up until that point. I, I was very lucky. I um, Yeah, and then it was actually against Dice Apple, funnily enough, in the AFL and went up for a mark, come down and sort of landed awkwardly and – he took the mark and got up and went to snap it. And I got up and went to chase him and just fell over again. And I couldn't run and I'd done something. And then, um, yeah, when they gave me the news, they went down and did all the tests and said, you've done your ACL. And I sort of said, what's that? I didn't even know what one was. Yeah. Um, and they said, oh, you, you won't be playing footy for a while. You could be out for 12 months. So um, then reality sort of starts to hit. It would have been, I was in tears and, Mm-hmm. You're sort of, yeah, trying to get your thoughts together and thinking, will I play again after the first one, let alone after the third? But, yeah, everything, life was just perfect, I guess. Everything was falling into place. And then, yeah, you get chucked some hurdles in life and some potholes and some wrong turns. And and that was the first one of them. Um, but then, yeah, got back from that one pretty soon after about eight and a half, just four, nine months. Mm-hmm. I think I played one... Uh, two games in the VFL and then I was meant to I was actually going to get brought back into the AFL side the week I did it um, wow. Macko spoke to me and then um, Griffin Coons got back up from injury and he just said I just have one more week in the VFL we'll bring him back in and it was exactly a year later um, against Essendon again in the VFL um, and then I did my second so yeah I um, the second one was the worst one I'm actually dealing with it now at the local footy club I'm coaching. I had a young boy. I was assistant coach there last year. He just did his first one and he got back this year, played two games and he's just done his other one. So um, just going through all that with him at the moment and sort of helping him through with the process and and just sort of how to deal with it and, and put my arms mm-hmm. around him. And um, So, yeah, the second one was the worst one because you know what you're in for. Um, yep. You sort of – it's good and bad in a way because uh, the first one, it's an unknown and you sort of get through it and it's done. And the second one, you sort of know everything that you got to do and how long it takes and um, sort of how careful they are with you. And um, yeah, got back after that and I think I only played one game in the VFL after my second. I think I had 30 and kick four or something stupid and come straight back into the AFL. 
Um, we went up to Sydney and we beat Sydney in Sydney in the wet, um, which uh, we hadn't done for a very, very long time. And yeah, I got through the first AFL game back and it was a massive one and we won up there and life was good again. And then we come back down and we're playing the Saints at um, Marvel. It is now and I think yes. we're up by 50 points at halftime, but I did my knee just before halftime. I actually heard it. No, I literally just took a mark on the sideline and sort of hyperextended a little bit and sort of felt something. And I just said, oh, like, I, I once you've done a few, you sort of, you know your body a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I come off and, and just spoke to the docs and stuff and said, look, I don't think I've done it, but I, I've, I've done something. Uh, I went down and did all the tests again and, and they told me I'd done it again. Um, but by rehab and everything I did, the, the strength in my legs was still um, strong enough that it was actually, I could still run and change direction and stuff. And I just said, I said, I don't know if I'll ever play footy again after this. I said, so I want to go back out there. Um, and they said, I couldn't do any more damage. So they let me go back out. Um, wow. And then it collapsed. Yeah, it collapsed on me again just before halftime and I ended up getting taken off on the on the stretcher and everything. And I think we went from a 50-point halftime lead to losing by 60 that day. And look, so. I don't want to get like morbid. We want to be up and about. We'll get to some of the happy stuff. But I think it's important yeah. to talk about this. As you said, you're working the local it's level and putting your arm around somebody. And I think people go through this a lot. So, you know, where was the mentality? You said yourself just then that, you know, you never you thought you might never play again. Where Just to give everyone a bit of insight, two questions. One, just so you know, where were you at at contract time at that point? Probably the least of your worries, but where were you at at that point? And then, and then the next one, more importantly, did you start losing trust in your body and, and was there that general feel of like, can my body allow me to do what I have the skills to do? Yeah, 100%. You were, you were a proven, you were a proven player. You went out there and you could play the game and you could play it at, a, at an elite level. So, yeah, just where, where was your mindset at there? Um, yeah, I think I still had – I signed a three-year contract extension in my second year, I think. So – I still had a year to run after that year. Um, so that that was the year. So that my third one was in 2015. So I still had 216 um, in my contract. Um, and I don't think if I didn't, I don't think I would have, have kept going. Um, I still had a year to run. So it was sort of like, well, what have I got to lose? Um, but I, I definitely did start to, when I come back after my third in, in that grand final year, um, that sort of three, four, five game mark, like, was probably the most nervous three games of my life. Because um, it was just waiting for it to go again. Because every time I come back, I felt awesome. Like, I, I didn't miss a beat. As soon as I got back in the VFL or AFL side, like, attack mm-hmm. on the footy, I could win. I was winning footy. I was kicking goals. Like, it was like I didn't miss any games. So, I'd never doubted myself once I got back on the field um, and sort of just slotted back in. But it was just it sort of kept happening at, at that same at same time every time. So yeah, after the third, it was yeah, those three four games were were very sort of like I was on edge. Um, just wait, I was I was pretty much just waiting for it to happen again, to be honest. Um, and then it didn't. And then yeah, started to put some games together. Got to the five six seven game mark. Um, and then by the end of that year, I think I played thirteen straight. Um, which is something that I'd never done since my first or second year. So I think mm-hmm. I played 30 games in my first two and I played, I think it was four AFL games in the next three or something. So, yep. Um, yep. yeah, it puts life into perspective a little bit. 
I'll, so, I'll ask a quick question while, while you're on that, mate. Did you get around players like Alex Johnson, uh, Daniel Menzel, guys who have all had multiple ACL injuries and sort of get together and talk about rehab and processes and, you know, help you be diligent in getting through everything? Yeah, definitely. Um, spoke with, with both those boys. Um, it's I don't know if it's like an unwritten rule, but if you see someone sort of do a knee and you've done one, you, you sort of reach out. Um, you've got like a little community of, of knees. Um, and un, unluckily and unfortunately, we had a fair few at the dogs at the time as well. So um, Rocky Smith um, had done yeah. one. I did one. I think me and Libba went through my second and third and his first and second together. Um, so, yeah, we had a little bit. Murph obviously did one, Jackie Redpath. So we had a fair bit of it at the club as well. So um, mm-hmm. every club goes through it. Um, you, you don't wish it upon anyone. It's it's one of the yeah. worst ones and, and sort of sets you out for a little bit. Um, but then even about the stuff I was talking to you about off air, um, I just went mm. and seen the young fella tonight um, after work. So that sort of stuff puts life into perspective a little bit more, even more so. Um, yep. We've had some injuries this year. So, um, yeah, I, I, I always sort of looked at the positive side of life and, and took the silver lining and um, it turned me into a better person. I sort of grew up a little bit through my injuries, did some work with um, Ladder, um, with youth and homeless kids and, uh, mentored a, a young fellow named Eliza and um, yeah, doing stuff like that sort of, you go, well, look, I'm, I'm injured, but this little kid's um, run away from home and um, mm-hmm. supporting himself and, and he's still smiling and, and getting on with life. And it's sort of like, yeah, I, I haven't got much to suck about here. So um, yeah, I, I sort of grew up and, and probably turned into sort of the, the person I am now because of some of the injuries. So um, I've, I've never begrudged, any of it, like fuck, I'd love to. Sorry, but swearing. I, I'd love it. to. Still, I'd I'd love to still be playing footy, but um, that's that's life. Uh, but there's a lot of people worse off, and and I Absolutely. did get, I got the ultimate glory and something that mm-hmm. I will cherish for the rest of my life. I'm looking forward to the reunions. So I'll tell you that much. But um, but yeah, like I can still walk, talk, and jog around, and and I'm still involved in footy, and and I think I will yeah. be for the rest of my life. Good. And look, I reckon uh, we want to get to what life after footy looks like and what Clay Smith's doing now from what I've seen from the outside. Mate, you're doing some great things, which is which is awesome to see. But this is the point where if we had some cool musical montage, we'd start playing it to hopefully turn the beat around a little bit as we uh, we jingle mm-hmm. on into to 2016. Uh, as you said, you're looking forward to the reunion. I'm sure you're counting down the days. I, I couldn't imagine a, a better reunion than an AFL premiership. But uh, we, we missed the five-year yeah. mark because it was in COVID. Yeah. Oh, is, is, a, is yeah. the five-year a thing? Is that a thing? Is oh, that where it begins? Five oh, years? Okay. Yeah. Well, begins if you want it to begin? Is that how it, <laughs> it was going to be. Yeah, okay. I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. It probably means t- it means the ten years just going to be double as good, mate. So uh, yeah. no doubt we'll uh, we'll hopefully our podcast is still going by then. We'll get you back on for some uh, for some good insights. Twenty sixteen, um, mate. So obviously coming back from the knee, you start. You join the team in uh, round fifteen. Um, you look like you just don't skip a beat. You're straight back in. The Bulldogs are up and about. I remember it being one of my most uh, enjoyable grand finals to watch of all time. Um, but your final series, I just want to go into some of your final series. Final series, 19 disposals and a goal, 16 disposals and two goals. The prelim 
deserves a podcast on its own, 26 and four. And I'm sure, like, I love the smile on your face for anyone who's on watching us on YouTube. Is everyone's listening, he's got a big smile. That's the best game I've played in his whole career, so. Mate, I did put a little asterisk on there, which is going to be the question is, is that the best game of your career? But yeah. you talked about your four goals on debut. It wasn't a bad effort either. But, um, and then 13 and one in the grand final with 11 tackles, mind you. So we'll, we'll put that, we'll put that over there. But yeah. talk to us about that finals. Let's maybe let's maybe just talk about you in the season, and then leading into finals. Like how how are you feeling? Where's the where's the body at? Where's the mind at? Where's life's at? Mine was good. Obviously, body sort of body came good again, and and got back in the side, and and we were making a run towards finals, which is something that I never thought I was going to get a chance to play. And um, I sat. So the end of the year before, in 2015, we lost to Adelaide in an elimination final. and um, Just watching that and just wanting to be out there on those sort of days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, luckily enough, the body come good at the right time and, um, yeah, got a good crack at it. And, and I don't know why, but I, even as a junior, I think finals and big games was something that I really I, I enjoyed and uh, and sort of just it sort of went to that next level. And... Um, yeah, had a, a really good final series, which which is nice. You always you always want to have an impact, I guess, um, when when something like that happens. So, but it, it was we just had, we had a team full of just good role players that played for the team, and we didn't really have any big superstars at that stage. Bonte was obviously coming through and stuff like that, but um, we just had yeah, a team full of players that played for each other and and played the right way, and it was it was very special to be a part of. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Am I right in saying you got, it, it's the year where you guys were the underdog in every single game, wasn't every it? Game. Yeah, every were... game. So we, we played West Coast over there, and I think they were the hottest team in the comp coming into finals. Mm. They've like five of their last six and you don't beat West Coast in West Coast. Um, and then come down and played the Hawks and they're coming off a three-peat. So they're going all right. Move on, um, move on, move on. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> <we'll move> on. <laughs> and then obviously up to Sydney and GWS was was um, one of the best. And then so pretty much all the way games too. Um, yeah. Yeah, so – I think Dale Morris's mum had a bet on us at the start of the final series, and we we're paying sixty three or sixty four bucks or something. She had hundred bucks on it, so yeah, she she cleaned up. Um, but yeah, we just we got on a roll. Like we lost to Fremantle in the last game in the home and away season. Yeah, remember we, that? Um, yeah, had a few injuries. Um, there sort of wasn't anything on the line. Like we couldn't really go higher or lower, and 
we just, yeah, we were flat and we'd sort of, yeah, they, they gave us a bit of a touch up. So I dare say everyone thought when you got West Coast in two weeks over there that not much is going to change. But yeah, we just went in there with that belief that why not us? And we knew our best footy was good enough to match it with anyone. And that was one of the best things Bevo sort of did. He instilled belief in everyone and, and he always mm-hmm. did believe in us and our abilities. And um, yeah, got the best out of us. And that game really set us up. Um, once we won that one, it was like we were in the rooms after the game. I'm getting tingles now. Like, mm. yeah, it was just you knew we could do it after that. That just instilled everything that we needed. And and then after that game, it was like we're not getting beat. Like that that was honestly the feeling. Like it didn't feel like we were going to lose. I think you spot it. You were that from a from a supporter's viewing point. I've I've always had a soft spot for my dog. The dogs, my my grandfather. Uh, used to go for them. So I always had a soft spot. You couldn't not like the dogs as well. Like there's just something about the dogs that you're like, yeah, they get in, they have a crack and 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 go for it. I think, as you said, beating West Coast in West Coast at that point in time was is a massive effort, huge. Um, then to go and beat a team that had won three in a row, surely. And you guys looked like that team that when the tail was up, it was, you guys moved the ball so fast. You were just mm-hmm. ready to go. It was kind of nearly before you saw Rich and like, you know, we went from a three-peat where Hawthorne were quite steady with their movement. Yeah. When they when they sort of, when they got a kick in from the back line, they could get it down there pretty quickly and go. But you guys nearly are the probably, a lot of people probably give credit to Richmond. You guys started doing that maybe before they did. It was this, It was as if you guys just practiced contest work, like that quick handball, 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 and off you got because you just did it better than anybody. Yeah, the old the handball club got a lot of um, got a bit of a media run that year. So we we did yeah. we did handball, we was did it handball a thing? club. Yeah, handball club yeah. was a thing, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we did that three four times a week for half an hour. Yeah, like there's something that we worked on a lot, and and um, yeah, being able to move the ball from inside the stoppage to out and and release our runners. Um, I, I, love cool. get, I love that I get to hear that. Like, I mean, I've 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 talked about that to mates, and I love talking footy, and I was like. They just did that so well as if it looked like they just practiced that kind of stuff. They was like, you know what? This is what we're going to do better than anybody. And if we do it better than anybody, we're going to be out and off we go, yeah, um, which is cool. It's yeah. great to hear that that's actually the answer, which is unreal. So, yeah. mate, prelim. We've got to talk the prelim first and then we'll get to the grandy. When did you know that you were – like I know you kicked – I'm pretty sure you kicked the first goal of the game. Am I right? Yeah. Kicked the first goal of the yeah. game. But when did you know that you were you were on and this was going to be a big one? Um, well, I don't want to dampen the mood again, but it was actually probably the, the, the hardest week of my life in football. Um, it was the week I lost one of my best mates. Um, he was actually a Lakes Entrance boy. So um, yep. he was in a car accident before the, the Hawthorne game. Um, yeah, wow. And I went out for breakfast after it, and the boys told me after the game they didn't want me to stress about it before. And um, he ended up going getting put into a coma, um, and so they ended up turning his life support off on the Tuesday before we played GWS. So um, his initials are on my ass cheek when I lost a bet to him back in Bairnsdale. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, it was that, it was honestly one of the hardest weeks. I, I was on the piss a couple of nights that week with just the boys from back home, sat around a backyard in Melbourne, um, told some stories and, um, yeah, and Bevo, he gave me the option to not play him. That was never going to happen. Um Mm-hmm. In the rooms before the game, putting the black armbands on in tears. Uh, it, it was, but I was always going to play footy. It was something that he would have wanted me to do. Um, so, yeah, the emotion after that first goal, 
um, meant a lot. Um, but even after the game, I won best on ground, got the watch. Um, I sat in the rooms and, and I, I, and I look back now with, with so much happiness and watching the way I played, but I didn't celebrate that game whatsoever. Um, I was numb. Um, yeah. So it's, it's something that I talk about now with, with a lot of happiness and obviously what come after it. But, um, at the time it, it was the hardest week in football that I ever had to deal with. No, mate. Thank I mate. Appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, Mate, credit to you for how you got yourself up. I think sports are sports a funny thing like that, isn't it? It has the power to really pick us up uh, with what's going on and teammates, and we have that ability to to cross a line and get out there. And you don't forget, you don't not think about it. It's on the mind, but you can still get out there and get around and, and do what you did. So, mate, massive well, credit to you. It was a bit of an escape for me, like. Yeah. You could go out there and just play footy um, and not think about too much. You just go out and play. So, um, in a way, like in a, in a selfish way, it, it was it was trying to clear my head as well and and trying not to think about it. But you're going out there and, and like I did, I played for him. Um, but yeah, it, it's a place where you can just go out and just sort of forget about everything else and block out the outside world and. Just go out and play with your mates. Like they, they're your best mates. You, you you spend six days a week with them, and you do everything with them. You train like you, you do absolutely everything on on away trips. You're sleeping in the same hotel. You're eating three meals a day together. Um, so having them boys there with me um, made it a whole lot easier. And um, yeah. So when does the point hit then that you've made an AFL grand final? Um, the body's good the stories that you've gone through to get yourself to where you are. You've talked about the fact that the team is up and about and in a really good place. Talk to us a little bit about that week leading into, you know, what's ultimately probably up there is I'm going to, mate, I'm going to, I'm going to make the call. I'm sure it's up there as one of the best days of your life. Yeah, that day comes close. Um, yeah, no, but, uh, it was. It was about that week, mate. an incredible yeah. week. Um, it, it, so I, I, um, I had the, the funeral on the Tuesday. The club actually flew me back um, in a chopper. They didn't want me to be driving seven hours in a round trip. So I went down that day, spoke, and then come back up. And I was at training that afternoon for the open training session um, just to get back in around the boys and then sort of – and then, then focus on the week ahead. So – that was good and, and I, I wanted to be there for that and then it was like I could move on and, and focus on on the week ahead and, and probably just get that little bit more enjoyment around it and, and around the boys and it was and it was an incredible week. Um, the grand final parade was it, – it's something special that is like that's mm. out of this world. Like that's like Hollywood movie star sort of shit. Like you're literally in a – there's like 100,000 plus people just lying in the streets of Melbourne and – you're just in the back of a car, just like waving to them, like yeah, like <laughs> it, it, it was. Yeah, that, that's what it felt especially like. Especially after like, having a big, especially after having a big game as well. Then yeah, you know, there must oh, have been buzz about yourself. Just every like, media person going on, you world. must be feeling pretty yeah. good about yourself and your place in the team and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I knew I wasn't getting dropped for the granny, so that was a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I knew I, I'd earned my spot, um, but it was. It was an incredible week and, and one that Bevo told us that we should enjoy. Um, don't try and, and shy it away, like embrace it, 
Um, it's real. You've earned it. Like, whatever happens, like, on the day, like, enjoy this week. So um, that sort of gave us a lot of comfort and just sort of embracing the moment and, and the fans and, and just soaking it all in. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Mate, oh, grand final day. Let's let's get there. Sorry, I know. Well, I hope you're all right for a bit of time. We told you 45 <laughs> minutes. I've I've still got a mate. I've still got a list of the old cliche pub questions to ask you. But it's been mate. It's been fantastic chat. We appreciate your time. Yeah. So just just give me this one when you got to go at any point, mate. But um, nah, right. grand final grand final day. We we have to we have to get there. I mean, I have the stats as 13 disposals, a goal, 11 tackles, um, the second most tackles on the game, albeit behind Tommy Mitchell, who I mentioned at the top, who had a 13. But, mate, what was that What was that day like for you? Do, you? do you remember it vividly or is it kind of one that just sort of flashes past? And what, what's it like to play in a winning grand final? wouldn't say I remember it vividly, but, like, definitely just, like, little moments and stuff along the day. Um, it sort of, it does, it becomes a big blur and, and just with the emotion and everything that goes on. And I remember getting up and taking the dogs for a walk in the morning and, um, and then, yeah, going to the game and it was, yeah, something different. Like it's, it's, it's not a normal day. I know that it's not a normal footy day and, um, that the stands are filling up quick where even when you're normally going out for your first warm up and there's not many people there that it's, it's nearly packed at that stage. And, um, the, the loudness and the roar when you come out before the game was was deafening. Um, like just it, the the ground was shaking. Like it was it was crazy. But uh, once the game started, like you actually I don't know about other players, but like you don't really I don't really hear the crowd too much once I'm playing. Um, yeah, it sort of just gets all blocked out. But I remember before the game, like it was that was something that I'll never forget. Um, and then yeah, with a oh, minute, minute and a half to go, I remember Bevo coming down onto the bench and and sort of just hugging us all on the bench and and it was like we've we've actually done this. Like it was yeah, it was amazing and um and then yeah, the celebration started and we got our medals and and then the uh all the fun stuff. Were you yeah. on the ground, Clay, when Tom Boyd kicked that goal? Or I where actually, were you? I don't remember. You don't remember? I think but... I was on the ground. I think I was on the half forward flank. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was uh, I was in uh, Bali, of all places, on a footy trip. And I've got to be honest, I, Clay Smith was one of the names that I pulled out of the hat. So uh, I can thank you for 13 sips in one skull when you kicked the goal, mate, with the <laughs> my, uh, Guava Vodka Cruises. So thank you very much, much mate. That was much appreciated. You didn't have me the week before. He might not have made it. <laughs> nah, thank I wouldn't have made it to Bali, mate. Let's be honest. Uh, anyone who knows me, I don't hold my liquor too well, albeit a cruiser. So that's totally fine. But, uh, mate, absolute ripper. I mean, uh, do you, you go, Dell. You got a question? Yeah. So you've won the grand final. I'm going to sort of go past it a little bit. Ryan Griffin. So he was, he was a good mate of yours when you got to the club. He was like a mentor to you. He got traded away. Was it just before that season? Yeah. How yeah, was so it? That, that, that was a hard one. Um, yeah. We spent yeah. all of our off season together. Um, did a lot of fishing and that up in Darwin, Northern Territory. Um, and yeah, he, he really did. He took me away to Adelaide a couple of times to the farm. So um, I spent a lot of time with him. He sort of struggled a lot when he didn't really sort of want to take up the captaincy. He was he was sort of a leader on the field, but a very quiet person. Um, mm-hmm. 
didn't really speak a whole lot, but uh, just the player he was in the competition. Like I think he was one of the top five or so players in the comp yeah. at the time. And um, Maka sort of really wanted him to take it over. And um, I just, I, it's hard. Some I don't think it suits some players. Um, some players like to do it in their own way. Um, and he, he had a few injuries that year. And I just don't. I think he, he's be, he's better off in a leadership group. He has some good things to say, but he, he's a really sort of quiet, reserved person. Like, he, he goes about it his way. Um, uh, whereas you look at blokes like Boydie who sort of thrive on that and and that leadership role and, and vocalising it and being able to bring everyone together and sort of have yeah. the right things to say. So, um, yes, he, he struggled with injuries and I think just that sort of position and he wasn't one that money never worried him. Um, and that is something that I loved about him. He played footy for the love of it. Um, oh, you remember, I remember him telling me, I think after his fourth or fifth year, he got some stupid offer to go somewhere, but he never wanted to leave. And um, he, he honestly, I think if he didn't leave the dogs and he, he would have retired happily um, and, and just gone off with his partner jazz and, and gone camping so he's actually doing it this year. He's got a little thing called Griffins Off Grid and him and his partner and two girls are tripping right around Australia. They've got their, their Land Cruiser 76 Series. They've got a boat on top, caravan on the back, and and they've been going for the last six months, I think, and they're just tripping around. Like He loves that sort of stuff. So I think just going up to Sydney where it wasn't so much of a spotlight, um, Leon Cameron was obviously up there, Cal Ward. Um, it was just a, something different, and I think he needed it. Um and something that he spoke to me about a fair bit. Um, and I just said, said mate, you got to look after yourself at the end of the day. And um, if you're not enjoying it, then there's no point. So, um, yeah, it's tough. Um, but yeah. you look at it and if, if it didn't happen, we might not have ever won a flag. So um, yeah, I still believe everything sort of happens for a reason. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so um, I think that it's, it was what's best for him at the time. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was his social media thing he's doing? Griffin Off-Road, was it? Yeah, no, Griffin's Griffin Off-Road. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Well, for people listening out. in, tap into the social yeah. media, give it a like and see what he's yeah. up to. So, yeah, um, mate, before, before we before we wrap up, and, mate, we'll also ask you just sort of what you're doing now and any final words you kind of want over there. I think we can't we can't do a we can't do a podcast with an AFL player on here without asking a couple of the cliche-cornered questions. Um, so we'll make them quick. We can make them short-answered. You can pass if you want. Uh, toughest opponent. Oof. Toughest opponent. Probably Nat Fife, I think. Um, nice. Come up against him a couple of times. Very, very big boy. Um, tall, can obviously jump very high. Um, very solid, like just a very awkward sort of person to match up. Not too bad around the contest, but if there's a marking contest on the wing, I don't think I was winning any of those. So... Um, he doesn't. He doesn't miss bicep day. I hear he doesn't miss nah, bicep day. I don't think he misses yeah. much of the windows. So <laughs> yeah. just, just that. Um, um, yeah. Big biggest pest, either at the Bulldogs or pest on the field. Who, who's the biggest pest you've come around? No, Liver. Well, no, nah, a ripper. He, he's a yeah. pest. That's for sure. But if, if yeah, I think if you ask anyone from the dogs and they you ask for the biggest pest, it'd be me. Um, <laughs> I'll admit to that. Um, yep, but yep. Toby Green was um, someone that I had a fair few run-ins with um, yep, on the footy no. field. I had a few run-ins with him before playing AFL. We had a couple in TAC, and 
Um, yeah, oh, mate, if you played with him, you'd love him. Um, but I obviously never played with him. So good to uh, see that carries for- over. I don't mind that. It's good to see it carries over a little bit from yeah. TSC. Oh, mate, I've got nothing but respect for him. I, I love oh, the way he plays the game. Um, he crosses the line sometimes, but um, uh, that happens in footy. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we definitely we butted heads a few times. And um, he, uh, yeah, we had a few run ins. I feel like any true AFL fan, that's their response. Like you've got to respect him as a player, but at the same time, you'd be like, you know what? He's a, he's he's a best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you might have touched on this already. Like, who was your best footy mate? Who was your who was your guy? Uh, Liber, like, Liber was probably my best mate. Yeah, yeah. We, who was uh, it? Liber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spent a lot of time together and um, on and off the field and. And um, formed a really, really close friendship. Um, little Lukey Dow was a good mate. Jackie Redpath. Um, yeah, there's a few boys down there. Beautiful. It was good. So it's, it's um, nice. I've got little, little Lukey Dow playing at my local footy club now. I'm coaching we're him. Bring so. that up in a minute. Yeah. 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 I've got. I've got just two more. One's one's a little bit of down. A- any regrets? Are there any regrets that you have in your in your AFL career? Nah. Um, look. I think they're just learning life lessons. Um, I made some mistakes, um, nights out on the piss, stuff like that. Um, some of the professional stuff, but I also put my head down, ass up, and worked my ass off as well, and um, and got absolutely everything I could out of my body. Um, and and I can sleep with my head on the pillow happily, knowing that I did that. Um, I tried everything. Um, every game I played, I gave everything. I never, I never sort of went in half-assed. Um, no, I think most things that I do in life, I do flat out. Um, and Bevo said it was probably one of my biggest strengths, but it was one of my biggest weaknesses at times that everything I did, I just did flat out. Um, and sometimes it got me in trouble, but that's also what um, he loved about me and my teammates love. So, um, love yeah. Love it. Last one for me, mate, and then I'll pass over to Dell. We can talk a little bit about life after footy and then we'll, we'll close it up there. Other than the GF, the prelim, and I'm going to throw in your debut because it sounds like it was a rip snorter as well. Uh, is there a moment just on the field that stands out for you as a as a as a memorable moment for you? Uh, first game was up there. That 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 was special. Um, I, I was floating on clouds that day, like when I kicked my first goal, like. I don't even know what celebration I did like. It was – and then <laughs> I, I kicked four in the first half. Like, oh, it was yeah. – like, some of them were just falling in my lap. I was like, what is going on? Like, it was, <laughs> it was, it was too good to be true. Like, I honestly, like, when I was running back to the wing, I think I was playing on – like, I couldn't even feel my feet touching the ground. Like, it was just – it was, Unreal. yeah, it was pretty surreal. Um, but even stuff like – a lot of the stuff in the locker rooms and – um, some of the bantering games and that and, and the away trips when you're playing away and um, staying in the hotels and stuff like that. Like, they're, they're memories that I'll cherish forever, not just the ones on the field. No, I love it. Did you – Did you? Oh, sorry, I'll pass to Dell after this, but did you start doing the math in your head? I'm a, I'm a chance for eight. I'm a chance for eight here. <laughs> eight, eight's on the cards. Oh, yeah, sure. Goes, I, being a half forward, I'm talking, I'm talking as an amateur footballer here, but – Mate, I'm, I'm still a half forward. I did the count. Don't you worry about that. If I've yeah, kicked four I've in the done, first quarter, I'm off the 16 here. Yeah. Kicked <laughs> two in the quarter, yeah, I'm on for eight. Yeah. 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 No, I've done that. Even if you've only kicked one in the first, you're still on for eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, there are a couple of things I want to ask. So earlier this year uh, on the social media, the Western Bulldogs put out a thing where you went back to the footy club and had a bit of a chat to the guys. 
Um, what was that chat about? Was that resilience based and how you've had to overcome adversity and the potholes, as you said earlier in your life to, to achieve the overall, you know, goal of winning a premiership and having a career as successful as yours or what was the line of that discussion that you had there? Yeah. So very, very um, similar to along those lines. So um, at footy clubs, I think at most footy clubs, they've got a thing like called a development academy. So first and second year players. So, um, they do a lot of separate meetings and um, stuff to catch up on game plan, um, just general stuff. You learn how to cook, um, you learn how to pay bills and do all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's, yeah, it's Development Academy, sort of just to, to get you ready, um, sort of catch up to speed. And um, so, yeah, I got invited by um, uh, Mad Dog down there. He's one of the assistant coaches and... Um, he asked me if I was if I would be happy to come along and talk to the boys along the lines of um, it doesn't always go to plan and um, the highs and lows uh, highs and lows I guess of, of footy. Um, so yeah, Jamie asked me to come down and oh mate, I jumped at the chance. Obviously um, with COVID and stuff that all happened, so I sort of missed those three years of um, of sort of much contact with the boys. I, I spoke to them still. Uh, online and, and over the phone and that, but you, you couldn't really see them too much. They were sort of in an even bigger bubble than what we were. Um, so I jumped at the chance and, and getting back into the club and um, was so thankful. And, and I, I got a lot, of, a, a lot out of it myself and I think the boys did as well. And um, and then, yeah, from there, I've, I've, I have I asked Bevo if, if he minded me coming in and spending a bit more time around the boys and around the coaches, um, obviously yeah. going down the coaching path the last two or three years and um, just a great learning curve just to, to sort of watch them go about it, pick up some drills. and um, But ultimately, it's um, it's nice to just to be around the boys again. There's still a few boys there that I, I played a lot of footy with. So um, yeah. it's nice to hang out with them and I catch up and grab lunch. So if I if I have an RDO or, or a day works out where I've got work off, um, yeah, I'll just jump in there um, and catch up with all of them. Cool. Now... For, for our viewers listening, footy doesn't last forever. So, Clay Smith now, after your footy career is finished, um, what are you doing for a crust, if you don't mind us um, or sharing that information with us? And then you're coaching a yeah, footy club I'm, now. Tell I'm us about that. I'm still, I'm still in my work shirt. I've, I've <laughs> had a long day. So I work 6.30 to oh, half past five tonight. Um, yeah. On the metro tunnel in the city, doing the, the underground train tunnel. So, been okay. on that the past five Five and a bit years. Okay. I think five years in August it'll be on the on the metro. So did three and a half years as a steel fixer, which anyone listening, don't do that. That's um <laughs> it's very, very, very hard work. But it, it's a great job. I met some great people, but um lugging around eighty hundred kilo bars all day and holding them up and tying them and getting cuts from tie wire and everything. It's um when yeah. you when you retire from footy when your body's no good, I don't think um but yeah, so doing that. But now um, working for a different company, Ardrea, and pretty much just operate machinery. Got me forklift license. I uh, got me doggies ticket. Actually got chucked on the hundred ton crane today. Um, one of the doggies didn't turn up, and the boss just said, "Do you want to jump on the crane today?" Um, got my C six crane ticket, so I can drive any mobile crane up to sixty ton. So sort of just operate machinery now. So it's been good um, getting a few tickets under me belt and. And, um, yeah, so I've been on the same site for five years now, which is um, yeah, okay. a fair while. 
which like for our viewers, there is life after footy. So that's probably the yeah. the important thing that we want to get out of this. Once an AFL footballer finishes their career at the top, it's not just that's it. There is still life and family and your coaching point cook. Is that right? Yep. So, yep. yeah, definitely. Oh, mate, don't worry. I, I had my battles when I finished footy. I really did. Um, yep. I went through some of my darkest days and um, and come out the other side, thankfully. And, and getting mm-hmm. to your point, footy probably did that for me. I sort of... Um, shut off from everything and and sort of thought this is it and then um, yeah I got back into into coaching I went down to Willie C Wise in Navafa just to help out sort of as a midfield assistant coach and um, absolutely loved it just once I sort of got back around that culture and um, yeah. and what footy can give back to you um, and, and what I could give back to footy and teaching some of the boys down there and um, that sort of started kick-started me back going again and and sort of finding that passion and, and something to do. And that's what I was missing. And sort of mm-hmm. lost everything at 25 years old of winning a flag and then having it all ripped away and um, sort of lost the passion for life a little bit there for a while. And and then it was about finding what I enjoy doing and and footy is that, um, whether it be on, on one side of the white line or the other, I still that's love it either way. Um, I've always loved sort of teaching and, um, and working with the younger kids. So, um, yeah, it was awesome. I worked with them for a year and then um, got asked to come out to, to Point Cook last year as a senior assistant coach. And um, so they wanted me to be the coach straight away, but I sort of just said I wasn't too comfortable doing it. I wanted to get to know the club and the boys and um, and what it was all about before I did that. Um, so we sort of had a transition phase with the coach there at the time. He's a ripper, Brittany Jacobs. And, so I was starting to take over training by halfway through the year and he sort of let me just take over from that backside of the, the year and the players knew that. And then um, the end of last year, um, I obviously took over and this is my first year as a senior coach. So I signed for um, two years as a senior mm-hmm. coach. Um, yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, Good. Got the first pre-season out of the way and sitting five and two at the moment and third on the ladder. And we only Good. won four games for the year last year. So, um, yeah. It's promising. And you, well. you've got some old, you've got some old footy boys playing with you, Shawnee, Wyatt, yeah. um, Lukey Dalhouse. Yeah. They're playing with I you. Gonna, I was going to say, did Lukey Dalhouse or a bit of recruiting from a Clay Smith have anything to do with the four game oh. turnaround to five and two? Yeah. Surely. Surely, it definitely, it definitely helps, mate. I, I know that. <laughs> um, obviously, I don't know if you coach footy, Mickey has, but trying to get players yeah. to clubs um, mm. is one of the hardest things to do. So. Um, it was actually it was still hard, but it was it was made a lot easier. A lot of them, Shawnee and Simon, I've known Simon since I was yeah. six or seven years old. Shawnee's obviously my best man at my wedding. Um, mm-hmm. Dal, I played seven years of footy with Dal. Like they're all blokes that I know. Shawnee and Simon both live with me here in Melbourne, so um, it made it a lot easier. The the conversation was was pretty honest and and open, and it wasn't lowballing them or them asking for yeah, too much. Right. Yeah. Like, this, this is what we can do. This is what it is. This is who else I, I think I'm going to be able to get. And and I think we're going to improve as a footy club. And um, it's not just them players. It's what they bring out from our younger boys and teaching our younger boys. Um, we had a very young list last year and um, mm-hmm. they probably shouldered a lot more of the load than what they needed to. Um, so you bring in some mature bodies that have played it at the high level and and they start to rub off on the young boys, their training standards and stuff like that. We had we brought in a fitness coach uh, from Melbourne Athletic, Michael Culliver, and um, brought in GPSs, uh, much to their oh, dislike. Geez. 
Yeah, we got okay. GPS. So they, all the boys wear GPS on game day, but it, it's like a competition now. Like they, they see the high, the high meters a minute they're running, um, their game yeah. loads, their sprint efforts. So um, it's sort of just another way to track how they are going. Um, so we were doing that in training. We'd track five or six of the boys per session. Um, and just change it up just to to monitor monitor loads and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. um, and just try and set them up for the for their best outcome so um, at the start they were a little bit nervous about it but um, yeah now it's sort of just another way to sort of get an edge for sure and one more before we do um, finish up boxing you've you've taken up boxing tell us about your career so far yeah so he, did, he tucked the chin of, in as he said that. He tucked it in straight away. Yeah. He just tucked the chin in straight away. Oh, my God. Don't worry. Once I get a bit tired and, and someone hits me, I, I, the chin comes up and I just start throwing it. Um, no, <laughs> boxing's great, mate. Um, I, re- I really enjoy the sport. Um, something I, I did growing up as a kid um, with Turk down in Bansdale. Yep. Just for fitness, um, four footy. Used to just train a lot down there for fitness. And um, I've always loved that competitive sort of stuff. And, uh, that was the first thing I did once I come out of footy and I sort of went through my battles and I got back in the gym, um, in the gym in Yarraville um, and did a fight camp there and, and um, yeah, won my first one. And then um, Will tried to get me onto wildfighter and I was going to jump on that, but um, COVID hit and, and then it all sort of finished up and, um, and Tony Topic from Team Alice contacted me and they sort of do celebrity fight nights and, and get AFL players fighting against each other and some of the reality TV stars that have been on mass and love Island and stuff like that. And uh, mix them in with some of the pro boxes and some of the talent they got coming through the gym and, and they put on some grouse nights. So um, jumped on the last two of those uh, and yeah, won those two in the first round. I, uh, I got the last fella pretty good in the first round, knocked him out cold. <laughs> he, uh, he hit the deck, but um, it's, it's just, uh, it's just, that's my sort of thing that I can still do that, I can compete in and, and be competitive. That's that's my sort of outlet. Um, obviously, not being able to play footy and compete. Um, coaching's still good, but I need something that I can com- sort of compete and sort of get that uh, competitive sort of, I don't know, juices flowing, I guess. Um, so, yeah, that's my little outlet. It's good, mate. It's good. It's good. It's good that you found that. I think anybody who's played sport at any sort of reasonable level – level let alone like professional and full full level i think you've got to find that you know i don't think people understand what it is like after that you had an identity for a while and to sort of find who you are again and what that is and and what gets the juices flowing i think it's massive mate so yeah full credit to yourself um mate look we said thanks for coming on probably take 30 to 45 minutes of your time i'm looking at the clock in the top left yeah. corner it's been an hour and 10 but mate uh, this is what happens when you talk to good people who have great stories and mate i've literally hung on everywhere that you've said um i feel like i could even talk about your life after footy for another podcast mate because it sounds like you're doing some awesome things and and what's going on after after the career that you had which which was a fun story in its own so um mate thank you so much for your time thank you so much for coming on um mickey dell for setting it up clay mate do you have any final words that you'd like to throw out or dare i say any sponsors nah. you need to mention or, or not nah, all good nah. i'll get those when the yeah. next fight comes up yeah yeah nah, no, we mate we're here it. anytime anytime That's you want to promote okay. it mate for sure really appreciate it boys and thank you for having me Beautiful. That's great. Uh, 
on behalf of Mickey Dell, myself, and everyone at Inside Fantasy Sport Podcast, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. To all our listeners, make sure you click subscribe, get on board. Uh, Mickey Dell and I will be bringing up a, a bit of a wrap-up show and, and getting you ready for the next round of all things Supercoach. But hopefully everyone's enjoyed this podcast. This has been the Inside Fantasy Sport Podcast. Peace out. See ya. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.